Hey everyone, what's up? Trey back here at Trey Wolf. Welcome back to another episode of the True Blue Show. I am back here on the mic finally again with my boy Matt here at the True Blue Show to talk shells. And we have got a very interesting episode. It's it's actually a win. It's a win post pod, but it's potentially maybe the worst win I've ever seen Chelsea get. It was crazy to say the least, very eventful. And it's a, it was a lot to digest. Felt like the longest game I've ever watched, besides maybe the Champions League final. But yeah, it, it felt never-ending. Matt, you told me, I think, that you were in the airport when you were watching this, right? Yeah, I sure was. And it was a, a different viewing experience, that's for sure. Now, I don't know about everyone else. When I get in the airport, it I'm normally stressed in there. There's so many people. It's Whenever I'm sitting at the gate, it's just not comfy. And it's just like, you know what else stresses me out? The food at the airport costs so damn much. It's so overpriced. So how does th- how did this game make you affect how you felt just waiting for your flyer, just trying to get back home? It was, I mean, from the first, you know, from the kickoff when we were end up, you know, we're end up behind the ball, not really doing anything of note. Yeah, it just made my general travel that much more stressful. Um, and it was never really relieved. I was able to get on the flight and maybe... I think we started boarding half an hour after the game. So I had some time to digest. Um, but yeah, it was, um, it sucked. It, it sucked for sure. So would you agree that that's maybe the worst three points we've ever won? I mean, in my recent memory, that's for sure the worst three points that I've seen. But three points are three points and we are in desperate need for it. So I'm really not going to complain too much after we're done chatting today about it. Yeah, you know, I don't want to complain too much. It's like, we should be ecstatic, right? We beat the te- the top team of the table right now at their home ground. So, I mean, our waveform has been great, but Spurs has always been a team. It's like, you always expect uh, a scrappy battle like this. So it's like, we should be over the moon. But it's like, I don't know. Yeah, have you heard, like, kind of in the NFL, has been a thing lately? Um, Because you're a Ravens fan, right? Yeah, that's right. So have you heard like the term like winning with an asterisk on it? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I feel, yeah, that's that perfectly sums up sort of what I feel like right now. Yeah, Yeah, that's great. It it feels like we got a win with an asterisk on it. And I am ecstatic we got the three points because, yes, we are in desperate need of them. But I'm struggling to find like the positivity I normally would after a win with this. And I think it's just because there's certain things I want to talk about and address. And I don't like, we I don't like to be a negative person or a super reactionary person, but I feel like there's been a lot. We haven't, we also, the last time we got on here, I think was after Brighton, after we beat Brighton. And we, we made the mistake of not capitalizing on more post pods after wins and then we lost to Brent, Brentford, and now we have come back to this, and we have City next. So even though we're on a win, I don't feel like we're on a win, but uh, I want to celebrate the things that did go well today. But I do also want to talk through the things that worried me. So hopefully we can sit through this, and hopefully if anybody's listening, they are not too upset with us if we're still being a little upset despite having a a great victory over Spurs because any victory over Spurs is a great victory. Nevertheless, 4-1. But let's talk about a couple of things. First off, 
I want to start off with the lineup because before the match started, I saw the lineup and I got scared because I thought Pochettino might do this, but I was like, you know what? Maybe I've been wrong. Maybe, maybe the beginning of the season wasn't like a, a indicative thing of how Pochettino wants to play. Maybe he was just waiting for uh, a left back to get in good form. Like Cucurella has been, and maybe getting our right back in good health. That way we can play our normal center backs just in the center. No, <laughs> We played uh, Levi Caldwell at left back again, even though Cucurella has been, I wouldn't say superb, but he's been very good, especially compared to what we were used to seeing from him. He has been very good, and I have felt comfortable with him at left back and right back for when he's played it. But Potch decided to play Levi Caldwell at left back again and bring DeSassi back in. And this is not a criticism of DeSassi starting. This is me just questioning Pochettino's tactics. And I just, I don't know if he's trying to be too cute with it or if it's like, and I feel like it's been evident in the style that he has us playing that there was always one fullback who bombs up the pitch and the other one is kind of inverted and actually a center back and just stays tucked in a little bit more. But and it's felt like he just chooses one side of the team to do that on each game and then sticks with it until maybe a substitution is made later on. And it kind of worries me if that is the actual type of uh, football we are adapting to, because it just makes me feel like we're very predictable in that sense. If Reese James is our best threat um, going up the sides from the defense, then they just have to basically stay on him more. And if Levi Caldwell is going to hang back on the left side, all they got to worry about is Raheem Sterling. And I mean, when they counter, Lord knows Raheem Sterling's not going to come back on defense, so it's even more susceptible. And before everything went into chaos in the sixth minute, we saw what could be a consequence of that decision when uh, Kulisevsky came down the wing, so much space to come into, and Levi Caldwell was defending more in a central area, which I don't blame him for because that is his natural instinct because He's been doing this for ages as a left center back. So he is in the left center back position, taking him on, even though in the position where he was set up to be, he should have closed him down further up the field and more to the outside. But he he just kept backing up. Kulisevsky had all the time and space. And then the, the, the turning his back may have been a little controversial. Maybe that was what he uh shouldn't have done but i mean i'm not a center back by heart and taking a shot right to the face isn't preferable to me either so normally you can block a shot by hitting it off your body that's not your face but in this case it came off his back and deflected into the goal so before we talk about the rest of the game i feel like this is the main part i want to talk about because this is the most analytical part of the game we could talk about because nothing had gone way off off the rails at that point at this point no one's gotten a red card it's still even and it's just two teams starting the game against each other what what did Pochettino's lineup and like basically what I talked about how did it seem to you did it strike a nerve with you did you seem comfortable because Cole was such a good player in general or and because we know Cucurella wasn't hurt nothing came out that he was hurt, I believe. And he came back in later in the game for Levi Caldwell. After Caldwell got a yellow card, he seemed a little heated. And he came in at halftime, and he was great. He was great defensively. He had great stats, too. So 
my only thought was why didn't he start so i've done my ramble let me hear what your thoughts are yeah i i i the only way no i didn't i didn't want levi there he's a great player but i don't want him playing uh, as like a, a left back now i don't really think that his role is a left back per se i think putting him on that on that side uh, just sort of allows reese james to not have or to have some cover when he goes out and you know goes on a run so it's basically playing three center backs um and it's also sort of protecting Silva in that instance too, because Silva's in the middle and DeSalle would shift out to that right if you're playing three center backs. Um, but you're right, it leaves sort of that left midfield just kind of barren. And that's what Kulosevsky was able to drive into. And that's what they were going after Tottenham were um, in the early stages of the game before it sort of all went to shit. Um, and other than that, I mean, I really don't have too many other comments about the lineup. I mean, dastasi has been fine i think he's been fine um he makes me a little nervous um robert sanchez really pisses me the hell off um with you know his distribution and everything because it's like giving the ball back to him you feel like he's going to trip or slip and then he's going to give away an easy goal or do what he did with declan rice against arsenal and just pass it to him at an open net uh, anytime he gets the ball i just start to freak out um but it's just one more comment on the left back it's, we also have Ian Matson. So I'm not exactly sure what it was or what makes Levi Colwell so appealing over there. Um, I know it worked well against Liverpool in the first game, but I mean, teams are clearly targeting him. He's not supposed to be left out wide intentionally like the way he is. Um, so that's just something really that I don't, I don't quite get. I, I think it's to protect or to give Reese James license to go forward and kind of giving him a little help um, instead of, busting his balls to track back after a long run to maybe help the hamstring. So I think it's, I think it's a function of his Reese James's overall fitness um, and giving him license to go and be our best creator. Um, But I I don't like it. And if we play it against city, it is going to be a long, long day. I suspect it's going to be a long day anyway, but even longer if he puts Levi Colwell out there to pretty much get run around and it just wouldn't be fair. Yeah, and I don't even want to think about Pep putting Doku on the right side against Levi if 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 Hodge is going to line him up as a yeah. left back. And I'm like, here's my thing: uh, Cucurella has always been profiled as like a left back slash left center back. So it's like he has played left center back before. Granted, he's not the best left center back there is, but if you needed somebody to kind of be a hybrid of the two, does now that Cucurella is in form, doesn't he seem like he fits the bill more? Yeah, he absolutely does. I don't, I, again, I can't quite understand why he, he's been playing well recently as well. Um, it just feels like he's the most natural fit there, which I, I think just sort of re, 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 uh, reinforces to me that it was to protect Reese James because Colwell's not going to make those runs that Kukurea does. And we saw that when Kukurea came on, um, that he was just forward the entire time. Um, but it, yeah, so that reinforces to me that Potts really wanted to play with those three center backs. Um, and having Reese James is pretty much, you know, getting the ball and then starting the next phase of play instead of worrying too much about defending. Yeah, and another thing that has me a little worried about that type of tactic, and it feels like it's weird because when we had less center backs available, he was more used to playing a left back and a right back together. Um, And then when we have more center backs available, it's like he wants them like more in the starting 11. And also... 
so we had Batty Ashiel on the bench. So we had one center back on the bench, but we also had Ian Watson and Kukurella on the bench. We had two left backs, which uh, is just peculiar to me. Also, um, you had mentioned his name, but I feel like, I don't know if he's necessarily the doghouse, but I have a feeling Ian Watson's whole thing where it's like they've got him to sign an extension or a contract or triggered a one-year extension. I just have this feeling Ian Watson's is like his fate, his future's already been written here. I, I think in January, I think he's gone. And I don't blame him. I don't think he's a bad player. I think he's pretty decent. He had a great preseason with us, but we haven't given much of a chance at left back. I think we saw him some at left back against, I don't know if it was Blackburn that it was, but did not look good there. And he's just, when we have Mudrick, Sterling, Palmer, now Madweke is healthy again. And then eventually Cuckoo is going to come back and you have Jackson. Hopefully Bray comes back. It's like, where does Matson fit that new role up top? Like not up top, but like as a kind of a winger that he'd been playing in preseason much. It's like, I just feel like his time's probably done because I haven't even heard anybody calling for him to play now that Cucurella has been decent, but it's like, yeah, just a side tangent, but I feel like, do you think Matson also might be done here? Yeah, I think that's like, you know, this original, or well, first part of like a refusal to sign this new contract has really thrown things, um, um, it just made things confusing and not, you know, he's not committing to the team. So why should we commit to him type of thing? Uh, and then, yeah, I, I just don't, I just don't quite understand uh, just this putting Caldwell on left back. I'm still, I'm really hung up on this. It just kind of freaks me out. Um, so, but yeah, I think Matson is probably going to be gone. Um, and you're right. No one's really talked about him since uh, Kukure has been playing well. Uh, even though we were all, I think, you know, me being guilty as well, we're calling for uh, Matson to really have a lot of playing time, especially at left back this uh, season, and it just hasn't panned out, even though it looked great in preseason. So I, I do think that he's gone. I think we'll make a decent fee on him. Might even throw on, a, throw on like a buyback clause. Like, we'll see. Um, but I do think that he's gone, which I think still puts into question like our left back depth, because as of right now, it's Kukurea, ideally the number one choice or Crowell, who was probably choice number one, a or one B um, because we can't really rely on Chilwell right now. So do we look at the market for a left back? Do we even really address that or kind of just leave it as it is? Um, so I, I think, yeah, if Matson leaves, that kind of throws an interesting little wrinkle into our January plans. And just to throw more uh, Kindle on the fire, does it seem very interesting that if Reese James is bombing up, naturally DeSassi is going to cover more to the right, therefore Caldwell and Silva shift in. But wouldn't you want in that scenario a left winger or a left forward or however you will, someone who is like very defensively aware and will track back in those spaces and pick up the runs that like Kulusevsky makes? And then you have Raheem Sterling there, who most of the time we find just like sitting and watching like yeah. attackers as they run. And like, I'm not, I don't have a Sterling agenda. I'm not trying to throw hate at him. I'm just calling him out for his real lack of defensive giving a shit. I mean, like on well, the ball and going forward, it definitely seems like he cares, but it's like yeah. most of the time 
like I would say 75% of the time, it does not seem like he tracks back. Like Mudrick's not great defensively, but he gives an effort. Like he he comes back and he just like makes himself known there. Which whereas like in instances like how we got scored on, Sterling just feels like he's nowhere in the picture. I mean, yeah, along with Sterling's lack of wanting, uh, you also have to couple that with Enzo's lack of ability, um, you know, keeping up with these quick forwards because you know, having he and Sterling on that left side does leave Enzo exposed every once in a while. Uh, and again, you know, like every midfielder will struggle against, um, they all, everyone struggles against a quick midfielder, a quick winger. So I'm not expecting him to really be an effective defender in those areas against someone like Kulisevsky. Um, But I think just in general, just, I, I don't want to say lack of athleticism because that's not exactly, you know, what I'm thinking, but like, he's not, he's not the quickest player. Uh, and his defending sort of against someone like that is probably just a foul, which is fine. That's totally fine. But I, I think that left side is pretty isolated and has to defend one-on-one. And I think that's what made Kukurea stand out, especially against Arsenal and against Saka. I thought he did great. And so it's just strange to me that we decided to keep take him out in this game, playing against someone not as good as Saka and Gulisevsky. Um so I just think I I really just think that that's strange, um, but yeah I think sort of that whole left side has problems, um, and you can see the right side doesn't really because that's where Caicedo is, um, so he, and he covers a lot of ground, um, so and Cole Palmer is very good defensively as well. So that right side is pretty locked down, uh, but the left side is exposed, and I think you know if I'm Manchester City I'm I'm going right after our left side of defense uh, and often so. I think that's our glaring weakness at the moment. I think it starts at the forward. It goes down to uh, to uh, Enzo. Uh, and then it goes down to the left back, just having to be a baller one-on-one. And all due respect to him, Colwell is not a wide left defender. So I shouldn't. we shouldn't have to expect him to win a majority of those one-on-ones. Yeah, totally agreed. Well, uh, I think it's the saying goes where you can stop beating a dead horse or something like that. Um, when it comes to like the whole call it left back position. So you you name dropped the forward being an issue. Now, Nico Jackson, I first off want to congratulate on getting his first Premier League hat trick for us. Um, it was beautiful. Did not expect it, but you could tell on his face too. It's like it didn't feel the same as a normal hat trick. Like, like it's like one of those things where it's like when you're playing footy and then your team is clearly better than the other one. And granted, they were two men down. It's just like you're kind of celebrating, but like half celebrating, really, because it's like, yeah, I, I'm happy, but it's like, yeah, it's it, it's easy. It's like it should be this easy. So I don't want to like give him an asterisk for his hat trick. I'm very happy because he did the right things. He finished where needed. He honestly could have had a fourth one, but he kind of just kept lifted leaned back a little bit and he should have had like he should have had five goals tonight at least five because the one in the first half that he totally just crapped his pants on yeah i you know in general terms i don't think that nico has really been up to preseason form that that we saw from him when he was just a man on fire i don't know if that's a confidence issue i don't know if that's the structure of the team issue because he also goes missing for a lot of the game i mean what did I see? He had like the fourth least amount of touches and the guys behind him were only the subs. Um, so it's, he, he disappears when he gets on the ball and is actually like ball defeat. His hold up that game was actually very good. 
Um, but you know, aerially, he's he's not he's not gonna you know bring it down on his chest like Giroud did. Um, he's not gonna. <laughs> you want to talk aerially? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. The the header. The, oh man, the it was awesome. Cleared off the line. <laughs> Nico he got it on target. Beat the keeper somehow. But it was just like the tiniest little doink. Yeah. Just towards yeah. the I'm like, it was awesome. It really was unbelievable. And at that point, I thought, oh shit, like we're really not gonna score, are we? And I actually, I actually put a wager on the draw uh, right after that play, right after that header, uh, because you know, three point lane was—they uh, were rowdy, they were loud, incredible. They did, you know, fuck Tottenham, right? But they did incredible, incredible support for that team. Um, but can can I just can I ask you a question really quick, if you don't mind? No, not at all. Um. If your team gives up four goals to a London rival, would you be happy with that? No. Why is that, is that, is that a trick earth, question? <laughs> why on earth is the Premier League uh, Twitter account or X account, whatever you want to call it, saying this is Ange defending with the high line with everybody in midfield? Oh, <laughs> almost like they were praising his tactics. Yeah, and the Tottenham no. fans saying, "Oh, they played well." I like, go, oh, "You gave up four goals." The tactics were terrible. Like we should have, we should have put up double digits. Any no. legitimate team puts up double digits. But I can't understand how you can be happy with that. I don't care, nine men. I don't care. It does not matter. Four goals is not a good game. It's not a good performance. Don't care the context. Oh no! This is why I said I'm not very happy with the game. Even though, like, we got a great three points. It's because it took us forever to break mm-hmm. down a midfield block that literally looked like somebody playing FIFA spamming offsides trap over and over. And I'm like, listen, I know Vicario is doing really well right now. And I know he's playing higher off his line to run out and kick that ball out. Like he's prime Neuer or something, but hear me out. All you have to do is curl it around them on the ground. And we have Sterling eventually had Mudrick. And Nico is actually surprisingly fast, who can all beat them in a foot race, probably. But it's like, no, (laughs) they couldn't couldn't compute how to get past it. And it's just like, oh, my God, I think the thing that frustrated them most is when the offsides trap worked um, and the ball just went to Vicario and we couldn't get there. But we didn't want to run back and do it again. And we just had to wait I don't know if it were just, I guess, giving us rest. It's like they're doing sprints. Like, okay, I give you 10 second rest. Get back here. But it's like, if Tottenham actually, like, if they just did a low block, somebody mentioned it's like, if they just did a low block, we would not have won this game. I was just about to say that. I don't care if it's nine men. We would not have won against a low block. So it's like, I don't know why you're praising your coach. I actually respect this coach. I actually think he's a very good coach. And, but I was just like, this might be one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. And you are asking for like to be scored against, especially when we have Sterling, who's normally when he's got in the tank, he's pretty rapid. Mutrik, when he came on, is literally the fastest or second fastest player in the Premier League, bar Europe. But it's like, I don't even get starting. We're not even talking about Mutrik right now. We might get to that later, but my guy did not have a great day. Um, but it's like the fact I think it took gosh, let me see if I can like just even summarize it 
from the game time. I genuinely want to say it took 30 minutes. It might have taken 30 minutes, maybe a little less, to get the first one. Okay, so the second red card came in the 55th minute. Um, The next goal came in the 75th minute. It took 20 minutes. 20 minutes of that just back and forth, back and forth, to try and get it in. And, oh, my God. Like, also, not to mention, I think we had two chances where we actually beat the offsides trap. But we did not pass it. And I think it was later in the game, Cucurella actually had a, a great opportunity. But the man just did not pass the ball. I think Sterling missed it once too. But eventually Sterling got it. Connor did a great one when he broke through. I didn't even remember seeing Cole Palmer's pass, but I knew it was brilliant to Nico. And it like, it's, you, you can't overly praise it so much because it's like, at a certain point, it felt like puppy guarding when we're still lagging behind after failing an offsides trap. And then somebody gets in behind and they're running back and we're already like 10 yards past the last defender. But as long as they pass it backwards, then it's onside. And I'm just like, I don't know how we can be super happy with this win other than being petty as hell. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, <laughs> I really even struggle to take any positives out of this game from an us point of view outside of we were able to keep our cools and Tottenham weren't. Um, I like, that's the only thing that I'm able to sort of latch onto. It feels like an asterisk win. Like you said, like, it feels like, oh, well, you know, wait until they come to Stanford bridge towards the end of the year. Like that's sort of what I'm waiting for now. I, yeah, it's just, well, I'm happy we won, but Holy shit. That's not at all. How I was expecting the day to go. I don't think anybody was to be honest. So and I mean, the biggest positive I think you could take from this is that Nico's hat trick may have an effect on him gaining some confidence. Okay, that's I sure the hope so thing. because I think he he's probably already looking, you know, sort of in his rearview mirror with all these reports coming out from Ornstein and Fabrizio uh, saying that you know we're in the market for an elite striker in January. Um, and and honestly, I don't, as I don't he know, should. I don't know about you and what your definition of elite is, but. I don't know if I would consider Ivan Tony elite. So that made me sort of perk my head up and think, who the hell are they looking at? Um, I don't know if Oshiman is going to be feasible, right, in January. But I, I, I hope this really sparks Nico to sort of put a really good run of form together because we have, like we've talked about before, really tough run of games coming up right now or right in the middle of it. Because um, what we, we have City next on Sunday. Then we got Newcastle. Um, we got Newcastle United. Villa, in there too. United. So it's it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. Um, so we need him fit and firing. And even for most of the game, he he looked low on confidence. Even you know with a goal under his belt, I still didn't see like his movements get any sharper. I didn't see him. You know he was still offside on almost every of the runs he made. Um, you know from from half uh, from midfield. So I'm just like what's going to make it click for him because if he's not going to score then it's either going to be Cole Palmer from the spot or Raheem Sterling getting um just doing something special because other than that I don't see I don't see us scoring a goal and that freaks me out you know uh can I tell you some good news just some side news please do uh for our FIFA related fans I think we I think Nico's hat trick did get him uh, a team of the week card. I mean, it is Tuesday afternoon when we're recording this, so that should come out tomorrow. But 
Uh, I just noticed a thing pop up from FIFA Ultimate uh, Team's account, not their actual account, but like the most trusted one, that it looks like he should be featured. And somebody had asked me about that. It is they thought Nico getting a hat trick should get them in. And I was like, I think it should. In theory, it should. But if people actually watch this game, then maybe they might think otherwise. But it looks like for all you FIFA fans, he should be in there. And also, it looks like Millie Bright, who uh, scored a goal at the weekend, uh, should be in it as well. So just a little side thing. But yeah, back to the uh, the schedule. The only thing that makes me feel a little positive other than the Newcastle game, when it's City, Brighton, United coming up, I, the only thing that fills me with more confidence is I'm pretty sure none of those teams play a low block. And they could... I think United, if anything, could adapt to us to do a low block to screw with us. But I feel like if none of those teams do a low block, we do have a chance. But I think with Newcastle, we might not. I, I can easily see them throwing a low block at us. Because, that, see, that's the thing. that, And it worries me. Potch is... I don't remember when it was that Potch made this comment, but he said he pretty much admitted to us not being able to break down a low block. And I was like, okay, that's not what I want to hear. I need you to figure out a way for us to do it. And you know what? Honestly, I think what we need is that even though we might leave our bench a little bit barren of, of backup options. Uh, I, and I, it's, it would be unfair to drop Gallagher since he's didn't been doing well. I think the past few games, he's finally cooled down a bit, but I think we need to get Cole Palmer more central behind Nico to actually feed him more and be more creative. Because I think the problem is we don't have much creativity going through the direct center. And I think that it's coming more down the wings and that if we can get Cole Palmer in behind him, because I remember, I don't remember which game it was, but he linked up with Nico really well, got an assist to Nico too. It might've been Palmer's first assist. Um, but when he's in the, in the middle, he he's dangerous. He creates threats, and he can roam around more. But I think if he can get Mudrick in good form when he's thinking well and on it, because honestly, I think Mudrick's biggest thing is he needs to improve his football IQ at this point. Because I think he's got the physicality and the technicality, but his football IQ needs some training. And if you can put Sterling on the right in good form and Cole Palmer in the middle, that is the only way I think you're going to really get Nico going regularly until Nkuku gets back. And that's the only other thing that prevents me from jumping on the bandwagon of saying we need to buy a striker in January, like an elite striker, is that we still have not seen Nkuku in this team in a real at a real regular game that's not preseason. And it's possible Nkuku's actually going to be a striker, not Nico. But it sounded like Nkuku was going to be like the 10, but that was before Palmer came here. And if Paul, Palmer can play right wing, but he can also play in the 10. And if he's playing in the 10, him and Nkuku could be very dangerous together. But the problem is we won't know that until probably late December or early January. And I'm hoping Broya comes back. I didn't think his injury was that bad, but he's starting to miss a couple games again. And like you said, Nico is starting to not look. He's starting to look in his rearview mirror more because he's doing bad on his own. Not that anybody else is doing well. We need somebody else to be in his review mirror all the time right now. And we don't have that. So once we do, I'm much more acceptable making judgment calls on getting new strikers. But I think Nico needs more assistance than anybody in this team to like to get going. And I think 
probably Cole Palmer is the best person to help him get going because I feel like he is one of the Mudrick also has good chemistry with him, but Palmer is in a much more ready space to unlock somebody right now than Mudrick is. So I feel like if we get Palmer it more and behind him and they can link up together, I feel like that's the best way we can get Nico to keep this ball rolling. Hopefully the hat trick started that. Yeah, and I sort of I hold true to what I, you know, have been talking about is I got we gotta give him time, right? Uh, he's still young, still a young player in a new league in a new country. So I totally understand that this adaptation was probably going to happen. I mean, he is, um, but I mean, he, he got the hat trick. I'm really hoping this kickstarts his confidence. Um, and, you know, I don't, I don't know if I really am enthusiastic about Nkuku playing as a striker. Um, I really want, you know, him, he specifically to play in his best, his most favorite position. Um, and I think that's probably going to be the number 10. Um, we even saw it in preseason. He wasn't as effective as the number, as the lead guy, uh, like he was when he was sort of behind the guy, the lead person and sort of pulling the strings from there. Um, and I think Cole Palmer out on the wide, right would be, it would be very nice chemistry because then everybody can sort of rotate, uh, around Nico. So if Sterling's playing on the left, uh, he can move to the middle. He can also play on the right. Palmer can play all three and Cuckoo can play pretty much all in all three of those spaces too. Um, so I think those three together are going to be crazy. Uh, but we, you know, it's so terrible because that means probably Connor goes out of the team and he hasn't done anything to wrong to really warrant going out. I think, I think he's been our, our steadily, our best player uh, all season, let alone the last few games. Um, so that's a problem. I'm glad that I don't have um, as the head coach. Um but waiting, yeah, I mean, I still think we need to get in the market for someone truly elite. Now, who is that? I don't know. And we can talk about that once January gets a little closer. Um, but I still think that option needs to come in. Like you said, Broly is still hurt um, or not fully fit it at very least. So it's just Nico and it's either Nico or false nine. Which one are we going to do? Um, so I think we we have lots of holes, but we have injuries coming back, getting healthy. So hopefully things start to get a little bit better on the scoring side, because I don't know what it is about this club, but the last two to three years, we have not been able to score a goal. It feels like um, against teams that we should be scoring goals against. Um, and so that the, the whole goal scoring problem freaks me out in general, but I'm, I'm hoping manifesting um, that the hat trick will kick start Nico, keep him consistent and Kuba coming back only makes our team better. Um, so we'll, We'll just have to see how it goes. But as things stand right now, low blocks scare me, you know, medium blocks and high blocks scare me all of it because I'm not convinced anytime we get in front of the goal, we're going to score. Yeah. So I think we've said enough about uh, the Spurs game. I mean, like I said, it's, it's a game that's really hard to analyze because uh, one, like we, they've lost two players in by the, like, the first half, basically. And it just made everything crazier. And it's almost a game you can't analyze too much. So uh, I want to just talk before we close up here. I don't want to talk about two things. One, why the hell do we have another international break or some kind of two-week break uh, between City and Newcastle? Did you know that City's game is on Sunday and then the Newcastle game is the Saturday after Thanksgiving? So it's It's the 12th to the 25th. It's miserable. Why is there a break again already? It's the dumbest 
dumbest thing. I hate the international break. And you know why it's Awful. so fucking stupid? Because in December, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight mm, games. That's absurd. One to our own our own success because it's the Carabao Cup. And I don't even know when the FA Cup starts. I'm pretty sure it's supposed to the first rounds are supposed to start soon since we finished worse. I'm I'm almost certain. But Sunday the third, Brighton. Wednesday the sixth, Man U. Sunday the tenth, Everton. Saturday the sixteenth, Sheffield. Tuesday the nineteenth, Newcastle. Sunday the twenty fourth, Wolves. Wednesday the twenty seventh, Crystal Palace. And Saturday the thirtieth, fucking Luton. What is it- wrong with these people? Then we're being gaslit by, you know, FIFA saying, oh, we care about players now. Bullshit. No, you don't. I'm you glad really we're don't. not in Europe anymore right now. I, it's a shitty oh, thing yeah. to say, but if we were, how would we make this work? We would literally just probably have to move some of these, I guess, that are midweek games. But it's like, this is ridiculous. Yep, I agree. It's awful. And we only have oh, two bad. games in January then because there's another break in between the the, the Fulham game and the Liverpool game. Good lord, man. I hate this sport sometimes. And you know what? That goes for all sporting organizations because a lot of them, looking at you, NBA, are getting really (laughs) stupid. Oh, you don't like the in-season tournament? No! Stupidest thing I've seen (laughs) in the longest time besides their courts. Some of the courts are awesome. Other ones, fucking awful. Some of them are hideous. Yeah. God, no. Anyways, that's all the time we have for here today. (laughs) Thanks for the back to the true blue show gosh dang it i hate people people in charge they're all stupid all of them get rid of them especially whoever brought fucking anthony taylor back to the league oh, for terrific and city and us terrific the biggest game of the weekend yeah make it make sense right make it make sense i can't i can't do it this is terrible this isn't fair what do we do to deserve this? We're good people, right? I, I'm led to believe so. Miserable. This is a terrible time to have sworn off alcohol for a while. Hey, better yourself. Don't let this get in your head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways, to all our listeners out there, thank you for sticking th- uh, with us. Do something fun. Make some good memories. Go watch a nice movie. It's the it's the ho- It's the wholesome season. Thank you again, Matt, for coming on. And to everyone else, stay true and stay blue.